Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not this future that is terrifying, but our present. The Program is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about The Program at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for The Program Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and see you later. Hi, we are here to talk to you about Sucre Bay, a perfumery we love so much they have not one but two official The Magnus Archives perfumes, one inspired by John and Martin and another inspired by the mysterious Ex Altiora, a book from the library of Jürgen Leitner. Sucre Bay also make official perfumes for our friends over at Old Gods of Appalachia, including Blood and Bone and Unknown Roads. You should check them out. Sucre Bay is a women-owned and operated perfumery that is vegan and cruelty-free, witchy and sometimes irreverent. Expect perfumes like You're in a Cult, Call Your Dad, or Vodka and Swearing, the ever-popular Chloroform, or Papa's Waffles. Sucre Bay do a range of exciting and unique fragrances you won't find anywhere else. They broadly fit into the following five categories. Classic scents that pass the test of time. Goth scents for those who like it dark and mysterious. Witchy scents that are mysterious and potiony. Nerdy scents for all the self-professed nerds out there. And femme scents, the classically floral and sweet scents, but we recommend them for anyone of any gender. Sucre Bay small batch perfumes are not like any other. You can find out more by going to www.rustyquill.com forward slash perfume. That's rustyquill.com 
forward slash P-E-R-F-U-M-E. Also, you can join the supportive and kind Sucre Bay community with over 18,000 members on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Sucre Bay. That's S-U-C-R-E-A-B-E-I-L-L-E. Hi everyone, Alex here, director of the Magnus Protocol, just taking a moment to give some updates ahead of today's episode as we've been busy, busy, busy in the background. Firstly, we wanted to give a huge thank you to everyone who has been listening and taken the time to recommend Protocol and review individual episodes on Spotify and elsewhere. Your support is the reason we can keep doing what we're doing and we're so grateful that you have been spreading the word. If you want to support even more and get some goodies in exchange, don't forget you can listen to every Rusty Quill original show, including this one, ad-free over at patreon.com forward slash Rusty Quill, as well as get regular updates and a huge back catalogue of bonus content for shows, including the Magnus Archives and more. Speaking of our other shows, if you haven't already, we recommend you check out Neon Inkwell, our new home for shorter series which is available for free right now wherever you get your podcasts. It already includes a sci-fi horror series written by Jonathan Sims and Sasha Sienna, a dark comedy written by myself and Tom Critch, and there are a bunch more original works on the way. If that's not enough new content for you, there are a few tickets left to our first Rusty Towers Presents event in Manchester, UK on 30th of March 2024, where you can join myself and Anusha Battersby, the voice of Gwendolyn Bouchard, for our first Bad Movie Society, where we're forced to watch truly terrible movies together. Tickets are available right now over at rustytowerspresents.eventive.org. In the meantime, there's a whole new wave of Magnus-themed merchandise available online, including Magnus-themed dice from the Dice Dungeon, dice trays, dice towers and coolest coasters ever from Harpscore, the John and Martin tea and book scent from Sucre Bay, and you can pre-order the new Ozone and Thunderstorm-inspired scent, Ex Altiora, which comes with its own presentation box, also from Sucre Bay. Lastly, in RQ Network news, our friends over at We're Alive have announced they will be crowdfunding for the final two seasons of their internationally renowned zombie horror show. Search for We're Alive at kickstarter.com to sign up and get notified as soon as this campaign goes live, and get first dibs on all those juicy backer awards. There's links to all this and more in the show notes for today's episode, or you can get more info at rustyquill.com. That's all for now, apart from saying thank you, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. This episode is dedicated to Heather Nichols. Rusty Quill presents The Magnus Protocol. Episode 7, Give and Take. So then you just hit the submit button over here, and hmm. that's your first case. Cool. Questions? Seems straightforward enough. It does. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an old system, but it could have been worse. It's not like we're wrestling with tape recorders and manila folders. And we're not bothered by the whole my skin turned into butterflies case. Nah, can't say butterflies really scare me. Besides, I'm guessing all the cases are a bit off and that's why we're assessing them. Pretty much. You mentioned some might get read out by the computer. Is there anything different about those ones? Not really. Colin, he's the weird IT guy, he reckons some of the system runs through the sound card so it just spits them out randomly. You're sure? Well, no, but it kind of makes sense. Have you ever checked to see if the spoken cases have anything in common? Never noticed anything obvious. Besides, we can't stop it either way, so we mostly just go for a coffee if we get a chatter. Just remember, though, you've got to get through your whole caseload, so you can't waste too much time on this stuff. Understood. Anything else? Is there any way to look up specific files? Like what? Oh, I don't know. Every case about being buried alive, or meat, or whatever. Well, there's a search bar, but it doesn't actually do anything. You'd have to dig through them all manually. Why do you ask? Just figuring it all out. Oh, well, guess I'll need to find Bigfoot on my own time. <laughs> you joke, but there was this one case a couple of years ago. Don't tell me. Somebody got killed by a big shoe. <laughs> You'll fit right in here. Margolis at OxfordPeople'sTrust.org to HR at OxfordPeople'sTrust.org Ray, tendering resignation, 3rd February 2016 To whom it may concern, I am writing to inform you that I am tendering my resignation as manager of the Hilltop Centre branch of the Oxford People's Trust effective immediately. I will not be working my notice period and unless you wish for this to become a legal matter, I advise you to pay me properly for that time. I am aware that you may not have been directly responsible for the events that have taken place at the Hilltop Centre branch over the last six months, but you have nonetheless failed to provide adequate support despite my repeated messages requesting your intervention. I am thus left with no other choice than to sever all ties with this company, which appears to care so little for my health, goodwill, or years of service. You will find a complete account of all that has happened attached, and this should be more than sufficient for your records. I shall expect my final paycheck paid promptly and in full. Regards, Diane Margolis, B.A., Ons, J.P. Attachment reads, I, Diane Margolis, B.A., Ons, J.P., am a victim of neglect from the management of Oxford People's Trust, and I believe that the facts stated herein are true to the best of my knowledge. I was appointed to the manager role at the Hilltop Centre branch on the 17th August 2015, after the death of Derek Chambers, the former manager. I had worked as a volunteer under Mr. Chambers for three years, two of which he was frequently absent due to his illness. Upon his death, I was offered a full managerial probation from Mr. C. Clayton of OPT. I completed this probation and began managing the site proper from the 8th November 2015. It soon became apparent that though Mr. C. Clayton was my line manager, neither he nor the Human Resources Department would provide any managerial oversight or support, and any requests for assistance sourcing a replacement volunteer for my former role would go unanswered. I finally resorted to personally preparing, printing, and posting A4 flyers around the Hilltop Centre in the hopes of attracting local volunteers already familiar with the site. I secured permission from the custodians prior. It was on 13th November 2015 
I received a walk-in application from an individual seeking the position. I understand my inability to recall his name or find it in the relevant paperwork or emails may affect the credibility of my account, but the fact remains he applied. The young man's interview was not exceptional as he had no experience in charity work, no driving license nor any demonstrable experience in retail. He claimed, however, to know the Hilltop Centre better than anyone, and as he was the only applicant in the role, I elected to give him a try. He began his two-week probation on 14th November 2015. I notified Mr. C. Clayton and HR of the appointment, and Mr. C. Clayton replied that I should chill, and it was all good. The new volunteer had a number of issues with his probation and struggled with basic infantry, stocking, till management, and cleaning duties. However, he was punctual, hard-working, and had an extremely positive disposition. He even personally donated a rather large false plant in a somewhat disconcerting ceramic pot, modelled on a shouting human face. Towards the end of his probation, he told me that he was having a good time, since it was all for a good cause, and that he had a friend who also wished to volunteer. I was somewhat dubious as to how helpful an associate of this young man would be, but given that the site still needed at least five more staff members and Mr. C. Clayton was no longer replying to my messages, I had little choice but to interview them. The young woman, whose name also escapes me at this time, began on 26th November 2015 and had a similar level of experience, offset by an equally enthusiastic work ethic and demeanour. I did have to give them an informal warning to stop laughing so much whilst on the main floor, but they insisted it's all for a good cause, and there were no customers at the time. The second volunteer also made a donation in the form of a large bearskin rug. I attempted to contact Mr. C. Clayton to inquire about our policy regarding real fur items, especially ones of such size, but was informed that he was on a personal development sabbatical and thus unreachable. I elected to store this in the back room, especially given the sharpness of its teeth. Three days after this second probation began, she told me she also had some friends who wished to volunteer. As I was still technically understaffed, I agreed to meet with them. I normally would not have accepted so many new starters at once, but with the Christmas period approaching and still no reply from Mr. C. Clayton, I feel I made a managerial decision that was clearly within my jurisdiction. The next two volunteers started on the 28th November 2015. They also made donations of a large chandelier of dark glass and an oversized gramophone with a collection of records of what I believed to be religious plain song. I was surprised that young adults would donate such exotic items and explained it was not necessary, but they insisted, claiming it was all for a good cause. The previous volunteers began to onboard the new starters whilst I updated the branch's ledgers, documentation and the other paperwork that has since been lost. I attempted to submit standard monthly reports during this time, but Mr. C. Clayton had not yet returned from his sabbatical, which I had by then learned was with full pay in the Seychelles. I'm sure he had a lovely time. On the 30th November, I was introduced to four more volunteers. It seemed that my instructions had been misconstrued and all of them had already been offered a position. I explained that this was contrary to the Oxford People's Trust's normal hiring policies, but I elected to nonetheless offer them a probation in order to fully fill the volunteer roster for the Christmas period. I expressly notified the young man I had hired first, however, that he should not imply any further volunteer roles were available. All four of them started the same day, and despite me being very clear that it was not necessary, they had also brought personal donations in the form of a crudely carved rocking horse, a grandfather clock that leaked some sort of dark oil, 
a heavily vandalized set of the Encyclopedia Britannica, and an extensive collection of abstract canvas artworks, respectively. I told them these were not fit for sale, but my instructions to remove them were disregarded. It was at this point I began to sense that I was starting to lose control of the situation. On the 1st of December, I arrived to find that the new hires had already opened the shop. To be clear, I had not provided any keys and remain unsure how they obtained a set. I intended to pursue the matter immediately, but was initially unable to locate them behind all the additional donations they appeared to have accepted. None of the items were fit for sale. I specifically recall two large soiled crinoline dresses, a chaise long with cushions filled with some sort of coarse sand, a taxidermied vulture, a rusty antique printing press, and a collection of old medical equipment that had seemingly been recently used. There were many, many additional items, but I was unable to take a full inventory as the shop floor was overfull. With great difficulty, I found the young man I had originally hired towards the back of the shop, laughing with a large group of young adults, including the previous volunteers and multiple others I did not recognize. I told them that social gatherings were not permitted during work hours, but he insisted they were all volunteers, and when I attempted to tell them all to leave the premises, they laughed and continued bringing in additional items. It was clear by this time that the situation required intervention from head office, and so I began to push my way through to the landline. But as I did so, I saw yet more people entering the shop with donations. Some sort of leather kite, an oddly curved brass telescope, a wheelbarrow full of shifting fossils, an armload of swords, lengths of rope, and they were all laughing and calling out to one another, It's all for a good cause. As more and more people arrived, pressing into the shop, the central shelving was toppled and items were being damaged underfoot. A tin bathtub filled with mouldy food. A stack of old dental retainers. A brace of half-butchered pheasants. Jars of what appeared to be pickled hands. I could no longer see the exits, and still more volunteers pushed themselves inwards. The pressure grew unbearable and I was pinned on all sides. My shoulders crushed against an ancient diving suit filled with sawdust with my neck wrenched under a broken picnic hamper, whilst blood-stained china was ground beneath my feet. There wasn't even enough space to fall now. I tried to scream, but could only manage a wheeze as I began to black out. My limbs were contorted and gouged by unseen edges, my mouth filled with the copper taste of imperial coins pouring down on me from a jar above. That's when the gunshots started. The volunteers didn't stop laughing, but I could feel the deadened thud of impacts, and I could see the spatters of gore through what gaps there were in the items all around me. Again and again, there was a rapid thud, 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 and the laughing voices began to be drowned out by the growing crackle of flames. Without warning, the pressure lessened, and I dropped into a small hollow beneath an upturned bookcase. There was a path ahead of me, jagged with shards of wood and glass and constantly shifting with the press of the crowd. I dragged myself forward over the broken detritus, occasionally getting caught but pressing onwards until I tumbled out of the emergency exit and onto the tarmac outside. Dazed, I tried to get to my feet, only to be shoved to the ground by a heavy-set man in black clothing who demanded I identify myself while pressing a gun against the back of my head. I screamed, then I wept great heaving sobs of terror with broken ribs. This somehow seemed to satisfy him, and he threw me roughly over his shoulder and walked away from the hilltop centre as the charity shop blazed behind us. 
I swear I could still hear them laughing over the thudding of machine guns and the roar of unchecked fire. It has been made very clear to me that I am not to identify the security firm that took this action, so I shall not do so here. Nor am I aware of which individual or organization hired them, except in as far as I know for a fact they were not working for the Oxford People's Trust. They have also expressed in no uncertain terms that the fire is to be treated as an accident, with no further investigation by OPT. If you wish to discuss this further with them, I can provide you contact information, but I heavily advise against it. Unless you send Mr. C. Clayton, of course. I rather think he deserves to be fully debriefed by them. Do not contact me again unless it is to discuss additional compensation. <laughs> Everything all right? N no, yeah, I'm fine. Just the voice through me. Who? Chester? He's not so bad. Better than Norris, whiny little toad. I'm sorry? There's three voices. And those are their names? Well, that's what I call them at least. Chester, Norris, and... Augustus. Right. Listen, if you need to step out for some air... No, I'm fine, really. Do you know who voices Chester? Uh, no. Why? Looking for an autograph? <laughs> Just thought I recognised it for a moment. I mean, the system was built in the 90s. Maybe they got, like, a radio guy to do it and you heard him as a kid. Maybe. Doesn't matter. I'm sure it wasn't anyone important. Hello? What? It's you. Uh, yeah. Hi. What do you want? Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you or... Uh, anyway, yeah, I was wondering if you knew who John was? John who? <laughs> Great question. What? Um, I got a weird email from John with a random name and an address, and it looks like it's from an internal email, so... There's no one here called John. Oh, right. You're sure? Yes. Well, is there someone else I could ask, or...? Listen! Mate, if you're going to get this worked up over a weird email, you're going to freak when you see the real stuff. What real stuff? Uh, you'll see. Is that why you've taped over your webcam? You finished? Well, listen, if you see anything from this email address... Hey, put that away! Didn't you see the sign? Yeah, no external electronics, uh, but, but... you thought that didn't apply to you? It's just a phone, I didn't I think No, you didn't think... Would... For the brainless, idiotic, stupid... Alright, look, I I'm going to go... Give me that! I'm getting... Get this! Get off! Oh, go of it! What are you... I'm already causing too much! Of course, but I can assure you that there really is no need to... Worry? Now, I do apologise, but something has just come up, so I have to go. I will get everything over to you as soon as I can. Please excuse me. You're supposed to knock before entering. I know. Then I trust there is some emergency which justifies this interruption? I thought you'd want to see this. What is it? It's really quite amusing, actually. 
Gwen, what exactly are you... Trust me. Please. Please. You don't have to do this. We both know I do. I... I could disappear again. They would never know. I'm sorry, Klaus. Well, so am I. You are aware that most people would consider directly confronting me like this a rather foolish idea. But that's why it's so funny, you see? Because not only do I have a video of you trying to murder someone, even better, I have multiple copies of you failing to do so. And that is better because... Because I suspect the only thing worse than being convicted for attempted murder is being punished by the people who paid for it. And you believe they don't already know? According to my source, they believe this man to be quite dead. Source? Singular. Interesting. And who do you imagine my masters to be in this scenario? Whoever they are, I suspect they have the power to reward me for alerting them to your incompetence. Maybe with your job. You have ambition, Gwen. I will grant you that. But not a lot of imagination. You are blackmailing me personally, correct? For what? I am not a wealthy woman. Certainly not compared to your own family. What is it that you want? I want in. Really? I would want to know how you obtained this information. Too bad. What? It's simply a bit unexpected. Perhaps you have more stomach for this work than I gave you credit for. But I've been needing someone to step up to the real work for quite some time now. Meaning what, exactly? If you want answers and authority, you'll have your chance to earn them. I'm appointing you as the new externals liaison. A promotion? Of a sort. I hope you're as ready for it as you think you are. Consider yourself in. The Magnus Protocol is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The series is created by Jonathan Sims and Alexander J. Newell, and directed by Alexander J. Newell. This episode was written by Alexander J. Newell, and edited with additional materials by Jonathan Sims. With vocal edits by Nico Vitesse. Soundscaping by Meg McKellar and mastering by Catherine Rinella, with music by Sam Jones. It featured Billy Hindle as Alice Dyer, Shahan Hamza as Samama Khalid, Anuja Battersby as Gwen Bouchard, Lorian Davis as Celia Ripley, Ryan Hopevere Anderson as Colin Becker, Sarah Lambie as Lena Kelly, with additional voices from Jonathan Sims. 
The Magnus Protocol is produced by April Sumner, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell, Danny McDonough, Lynn C., and Samantha F.G. Hamilton. And associate producers Jordan L. Hawke, Taylor Michaels, Nicole Perlman, Setius DeRaven, and Megan Nice. To subscribe, view associated materials, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us at mail at RustyQuill.com. Thanks for listening. Hi, we are here to talk to you about Sucre Bay, a perfumery we love so much they have not one, but two official The Magnus Archives perfumes, one inspired by John and Martin, and another inspired by the mysterious Ex Altiora, a book from the library of Jürgen Leitner. Sucre Bay also make official perfumes for our friends over at Old Gods of Appalachia, including Blood and Bone and Unknown Roads. You should check them out. Sucre Bay is a women-owned and operated perfumery that is vegan and cruelty-free, witchy and sometimes irreverent. Expect perfumes like You're in a Cult, Call Your Dad, or Vodka and Swearing, the ever-popular Chloroform, or Papa's Waffles. Sucre Bay do a range of exciting and unique fragrances you won't find anywhere else. They broadly fit into the following five categories. Classic scents that pass the test of time. Goth scents for those who like it dark and mysterious. Witchy scents that are mysterious and potiony. Nerdy scents for all the self-professed nerds out there. And femme scents, the classically floral and sweet scents, but we recommend them for anyone of any gender. Sucre Bay small batch perfumes are not like any other. You can find out more by going to www.rustyquill.com forward slash perfume that's rustyquill.com forward slash p-e-r-f-u-m-e also you can join the supportive and kind sucre bay community with over eighteen thousand members on facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash sucre bay that's s-u-c-r-e-a-b-e-i-l-l-e ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Programme. The Programme audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not this future that is terrifying, but our present. The Programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about The Programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com, or search for The Program Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and see you later.